This program is brought to you by the partners of A Root Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support A Root Awakening International today. Throughout Scripture, there are curious examples of the first being last and the last being first. Jake Hilton lays the groundwork for a fascinating study of a pattern that reveals blessings coming in ways we don't expect, in particular from those who come second, not first, because it's the end of the sixth day, the sun is set, and this is Shabbat Night Live. Well, Shabbat Shalom Torah fans, welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rood. Have you always felt like second best? Well, it could be that you're actually first after all. Jake Hilton joins us tonight for the second episode of the Gold and Honey of the Torah. It's a very interesting look at the blessed second son prophecy, as Jake calls it, scattered throughout the Bible. And speaking of seconds, we have just crossed over from the 22nd day of the 10th month into the 23rd day on the astronomically and agriculturally corrected biblical Hebrew calendar. There you see it there. Now, we have some important things to talk about with my co-host, Tiffany Pinaccio. Welcome, Tiffany. Shabbat shalom, Scott. Shabbat shalom. So, now, uh, last month, uh, now we send out a, a newsletter every month. Yes. And by the way, if anybody wants to get in on that newsletter, um, we basically look at, over the last 12 months, uh, has whoever's donated or bought anything from the store for Rude Awakening, uh, that's, they automatically get the newsletter. Mm -hmm. uh, if you can't do that, that's fine. Uh, we actually have it online, too. Yes, we uh, do. There's where you can find it online, right? Online right there at the bottom of the screen there. And uh, last month, we had a newsletter article that Michael had written mm -hmm. about, uh, what was it, spitting? In man-made tradition. Spitting in the face of man-made man religion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and one of our supporters actually what took this thing to work. Yes, right? so every and they month. told you about it. Mm -hmm. His name is Bill, and every month he says he shares it with his friends, family, and uh, coworkers. And apparently, Michael's words for the December newsletter made a splash because he got a wave of responses, uh, especially from his coworkers, which he says that many of them are living alternative lifestyles and not walking on the same path that we are on. So they uh -huh. really enjoyed it, and it sparked some conversation there. So that's just another way, uh, another easy way to share what we're doing here at the ministry. If you get the online or the electronic version of the newsletter and just forward it to your friends and family and yeah. see what they say. And you know, and that, <laughs> that makes sense because you know, that's what gets most of us out of our pews and into mm -hmm. this type of thing. Like there's gotta be something more here. And I don't like what that pastor's saying. It doesn't jive with, I don't think that's what Yeshua would have said. Right? Absolutely, yeah. And so it makes it kind of, uh, and I think that's what gets people who are, you know, in other lifestyles who don't, you know, they say, I don't want that religion stuff, da da da. They just. Exactly. And then when they see, you know, spitting in the face of religion, yeah, right. Well, and, and, and then they realize, oh. <laughs> oh, Yeshua did that too. <laughs> that's actually, yeah. That's, I actually like that yeah. Yeshua guy. I mean, maybe he's cool. Yeah, yeah. right? So, well, that's really cool. That's, good. that's yeah. good to hear. It's an awesome testimony. So thank you, Bill, for sharing that. Yeah. And, 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 and again, there's where you can get our newsletter every month on the bottom of your screen. Uh, if, if you can't purchase anything from the ministry or donate anything, again, over the last 12 months, they automatically get the newsletter. Mm -hmm. But if you want to just see it online, there you can see it right there as well. Okay, so now speaking of seeing things online, uh, something that we never put online 
because it's something very special, is our love gift every month. You're right. Uh, Michael says, if you want to donate to this ministry, I want to give something back to you. I know you don't want to you know, expect it, but we're yeah. going to give something to you anyway uh, because we appreciate your gift. And we don't put it on YouTube, we don't put it on Spot Night Live, we don't put it on anywhere, except on DVD or Blu-ray, where nobody can take it away from you. Exactly, I was gonna say, we'd probably get in trouble if we put it anywhere else anyway. So. Yeah, especially this <laughs> month, because yeah. this month is from a guy named Jeffrey Prather. And if you heard us talk about him last week, uh, you'll know he's a very special guy. He's uh, ex-DIA uh, intelligence, which is uh, Pentagon intelligence, ex-DEA special agent. So he's been on the border. He knows all about what goes on at the border. Wow. And, uh, you know, something interesting, by the way. Oh, so anyway, his uh, teaching this month is all about what happened in Israel on October 7th. And it's a hard message to hear because nobody wants to hear this. No, you know, those things that you don't dare think happened, happened. You know, how could Israel not see this coming? Absolutely. The fact is, he says, any intelligence officer that says they didn't know is lying or they're a fool. Ouch. So what really happened? So he's going to tell us what happened there. And um, so that's just a part of our love gift this month. And, and something else, you know, speaking of the border. Mm-hmm. Um, so... He says, it's something interesting, makes sense now too, that all these portals, like how come there's these little, these spaces where everybody seems to come in? Yep. What's with these, you know, these funnel points, if you will? And each one of these is run by a cartel. Yes. And every one of those points, every person who goes through, they pay a little bit to the cartel and mm-hmm. it's a big racket. Oh. And it's just, yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense as to why things happen the way it happens. You know, all these things I think, you know, it, it makes sense to me that maybe it happens this way, but there's no way that happens that way. I think you'll find a lot of truth in what Jeffrey says. Yep, the stuff you think is happening, it's happening. And so. the important thing like with things like this, it's not so we can just know what's going on and be angry about it, but it's so that we know how to pray. You know, that's our job. We're exactly. intercessors, we're watchmen on the wall. We need to be aware of what's going on so that we know how to pray about it. That is a so. very good point. Mm-hmm. Very good point. And... Uh, as far as prayer, I mean, we we really appreciate those who pray for this ministry. I oh, mean, that is, <laughs> that is really important. Yeah. But if, if you pray for this ministry, thank you very much, by the way. And, uh, and again, um, if you decide to give to the ministry, uh, there's different things we'd like to give to you. So the, yes. the teaching is one thing. For a gift of $50 or more. For a gift of $100 or more, you'll get the teaching and this blanket, by the way. Super cozy. Good for... Events and outside, yeah, <laughs> I right. think. Especially or in the right couch. now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it you know it has a little handle here and a little pocket. You can take it with you. That's kind of what yeah. the purpose is to 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 go blanket. Yep. <laughs> Especially in places like Michigan, right? Where, oh yeah, where it's super cold. Where it's super cold. I bring that up because uh, Michael's in the studio with yep. us today, and and someone just asked him if his sister has come down here yet. And she lives in Michigan, and he said no, it's not cold enough there yet. Not yet. <laughs> so it will get cold enough. She must have one of the blankets. Yeah, and doing just she's fine. Warm. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so for a gift of three hundred dollars yes. more, you'll get these two things and this beautiful. Uh, is this a, It's a wooden map of Israel. Yes, a wooden map of Israel, wall hanging, handmade. Um, it's beautiful, a good conversation piece, and it comes with instructions on how to hang it. It's not going to be in two pieces when you hang it. Uh, yes. It'll be in one piece on your wall. The north and the south, as it were. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get it confused. And yeah, it's just another beautiful piece. And that's a thank big, you. That's as big as it looks too. It is 19 yes. inches tall, that thing. So a beautiful wall hanging. You will not miss it in your house and uh, guests will really find it a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. All right, so what are you going to see tonight? Take a look at this. It's not 
about physical bloodlines as it is about being connected to the only bloodline that truly matters, and that's the blood of Yeshua. Mm. You have to be born again, born of God's Holy Spirit, and you're brought into covenant relationship with God. You are of the house of Israel. All right, there you have it. Jake Hilton lays the groundwork for a fascinating study of a pattern that reveals blessings coming in ways we don't expect, in particular, from those who come second, not first. It's the second episode, by the way, of the golden honey of the Torah. Now, you've got two minutes to get your bread and wine because Michael Rood is next with the Kiddush, so go. What really happened in Israel on October 7th last year? How could Israel's world-leading intelligence agencies miss such an elaborate plan? Retired Special Operations Soldier, former DIA intelligence collector, and ex-DEA Special Agent Jeffrey Prather has an unsettling answer. Any intelligence professional that says that Israel was surprised is a liar or a fool. From 9-11 to the War on Terror, mRNA vaccines, open borders, the alternative lifestyle agenda, and the mark of the beast. The truth that's hard to hear with Jeffrey Prather exposes the satanic agenda behind it all. This teaching is not available anywhere online, but we'll give it to you as our thanks for supporting A Rude Awakening International. When you donate $50 as a love gift to this ministry in January, we'll send you The Truth That's Hard to Hear with Jeffrey Prather on DVD or Blu-ray. Donate $100 and we'll send you The Truth That's Hard to Hear plus a 48 by 52 inch roll-up fleece blanket featuring Psalm 119.76. Donate $300 and we'll send you The Truth That's Hard to Hear, the roll-up fleece blanket, and a handmade 3D wooden map of Israel measuring more than 19 inches tall. These gifts are a limited time offer from Michael Root to thank you for your support. Make your donation today and receive the $50 gift the $100 gift or the $300 gift. Thank you. Your donations ensure that important teachings like the truth that's hard to hear keep coming from A Rude Awakening International. Use your smartphone to scan the QR code on your screen to donate now and receive these limited time gifts or call 888-766-3610 or get your gifts online with a donation at monthlylovegift.com. Hi, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Ted Clayton. And I'm Michael Rood. And ladies and gentlemen, we got a special thing happening here. And here Awakening. it is, Ted. What is it? The Chronological Gospels are now in Spanish. Yes, the Chronological Gospels are now in Spanish. And the Spanish-speaking world is going crazy over the Chronological yeah. Gospels. But here's the problem. It could cost as much as the book cost to ship it to South America. Oh, yeah. As much as $30 a book, Michael. We need some help on that. If you would prayerfully consider today a donation of $30 to offset the cost of shipping, because folks, in South America, $30 could be half a month or a month's pay. Would you please prayerfully consider giving that $30 today to help ship the Chronological Gospels to South America? We need their help. Thank you. Thank you very much. God bless. On Friday, the sixth day of the week, the markets in Jerusalem are filled with challah that is done differently than it is any other day of the week. 
on that day, the challah is covered with honey and it is covered with raisins because it is a shadow picture of when the Messiah reigns upon the earth in the Sabbath day or the Sabbath millennium when life on earth will be sweet. Yeshua, the last night that he had with his disciples before his crucifixion, he took bread and he blessed the Most High and he said, Baruch atah Yehovah Eloheinu melech ha'olam, homotzi lechem min ha'aretz. Blessed are you, Yehovah, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And he said, this represents my body, which will be broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so the sanctification of the Sabbath, the Kiddush that we do, sets apart this day and sets apart this very thing that we had rehearsed from the time that Yeshua gave this to his disciples. And then Yeshua blessed the Most High with this blessing that Melech Zadik said to Abraham when he blessed the Most High. Baruch atah Yehovah Eloheinu Malach HaOlam Berei Pri HaGafen. Blessed are you, Yehovah, our God, the King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And Yeshua said, this represents the renewed covenant paid for in my blood. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. With that, we do exhibit the Lord's death and what he paid for our redemption until he comes. In the Bible, we have this concept of the last shall be first and the first shall be last. All of these dichotomies happening back and forth and sometimes the second one in the line of, of any kind of kingdom gets more blessing than the first. Well, where does this come from and how often does this happen? Is this a thing or are we just reading into it? Jake Hilton, <laughs> thank you for joining us again on Shabbat Night Live. This is the second of uh, six episodes we have planned oh, yes. for the, uh, the gold and the honey of the Torah. I love what you're doing here. Um, I told you before, when we were planning these episodes that whenever we have a Shabbat gathering, I always get teased as the guy who never reads it for what it is in the, in the scripture. I go, I go really deep and maybe it could be this, maybe it could be that, and you know, all these ethereal kind of uh, rabbit trails you could go on, but. And that's fine. That's what we want to be able well, to do. Well, th that's, that's the thing. And we, we concluded last episode by really stressing this point that it is so vital that we do accurately interpret the letter of yes. things. You know, we have to make sure we're getting that foundation, that we're not twisting that in any way. And, but, but we do also want to be looking to what it is that God is really saying, you know, mm. the spirit and truth of his word or the gold and honey of his word. So, so what about this concept of the second? Uh, we see it more, more often than once, and you're gonna get into this where that second one, whatever it is, a son or a people or whatever, uh, or, or flesh versus spirit, yeah, it, is more <laughs> blessed than the first. Well, what? I tell you, this is something that through the work of my ministry, uh, over this last year, we've been diving down deep in the Torah, and God began showing me this pattern hmm. as I was studying about the two sons of Isaac and Rebekah. We've got the twins, you know, Esau and Jacob. And I saw this pattern first with them, and I go, okay, I see it here. Do I see it elsewhere? I see it here, 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 here. And all of a sudden, 
this pattern emerged that can be identified literally dozens of times. Hmm. And when I, <laughs> something that I've said in my ministry and I say now is that I'm kind of, I'm kind of like a bloodhound when it comes to this stuff, you know. And when when I get a when I get a scent of something, you know, I'm just like, there, there's something here. God is showing me something. What is this? What is? Got to be more. It's like there's a trail. There, <laughs> yeah. you know. There, and if yeah. you if you'll trust God and His Word and follow that trail, He'll show you some extraordinary things. I agree. Been there. <laughs> I love it. I love it when He does that. And Amen. when you present it to folks too, they might kind of, eh. But you know in your heart, he's shown you this. So tell, tell us what okay. he's shown you. All right, so once again, with the gold and honey or the spirit and truth of the Torah, this pattern that God has been showing me over this last year and it's just gotten bigger and bigger and more detailed, it's, it's what I've come to call the blessed second son prophecy. Um, maybe a little bit of a mouthful, but that's what it is. Blessed second son prophecy. And one might think that that's odd because it's usually that firstborn that's like, the emphasis is usually on the firstborn as being the more blessed one. Well, fact, Israel is my firstborn. That's, that's right? exactly what yeah. God says, yeah. You know, when you look at the Israelites in Egypt, these are the blood descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God says that Israel is my firstborn. But with this pattern, we're gonna start out with the letter, we're gonna start out with the literal of what it shows us in the Bible, and then we're gonna get deep into that golden honey, that spirit and truth. So with the blessed second son prophecy, what I want to do is go back to the very beginning, literally in this case, and look at the first children that are at least mentioned by name as being born into the world. We're not talking about created in the world because that would be Adam and Eve in the garden. They were created by the hand of Yehovah. This is created by hand of Yehovah, obviously, you know, through, uh, you know, in the womb of the mother and given birth into the world. And it's, of course, Cain and Abel. I asked the question of those two, who's the firstborn? Is it Cain or is it Abel? Yeah, it's, it's Cain. It's Cain, yeah. <laughs> right? So we see it here, literally from the very beginning. Cain is the one who's born first. Abel's the one that's born second. He's the second son. And that's this, this whole you know, pattern that we're establishing, the blessed second son prophecy. Cain, who ultimately became the world's first murderer, he was the firstborn. Abel, that even our Lord Yeshua identifies as being righteous. He calls you know, the, the righteous blood of Abel. Mm. He says that you know, to the Pharisees you know, in Matthew chapter 23. The righteous blood. You know, Abel was righteous. He was the second son, not the first. So we see it here, this next pattern. We go to Abraham and his two sons. The first son of Abraham, was it Isaac or was it Ishmael? It was Ishmael. It was Ishmael. Isaac was the second, he was not the first. So we see it there with Cain and Abel. We now see it again, Ishmael and Isaac, okay. Then we get to the pattern that I first saw and you know, God first opened my eyes to and you know, got me on that, you know, that, that hound dog, you know, that <laughs> bloodhound you know, sniffing trail. And I'm like, oh, there's something here. I gotta see this, I gotta follow this. We get to the twin boys of Isaac and Rebekah, who was born first. Yeah, we say we say Jacob and Esau, but it's really it's Esau it's, and it's Jacob. Esau and Jacob. Yeah. That's right, because Esau is the first son, whereas Jacob is the second son. And that alone, you're like, okay, I've seen it now three times. There's got to be something more. There's got to be this pattern. I'm going to follow this. I'm going to see where God is going to take this. Now we see a similar pattern in the next generation. 
It doesn't work perfectly in this generation, but a, the principle, I believe the principle of it still applies. We look at the sons of Jacob, all of his sons, and we ask, first son was Reuben, and Reuben did some questionable things. <laughs> but the quote, second son, much younger son, mm -hmm. that's Joseph, the beloved son. So we got Reuben, first son, and then a much younger son, Joseph. We'll see that again one more time where it's the younger son, but not literally second born. But uh, we have to acknowledge that. Yeah, the first and last, last, first, more kind of concept. More, yeah, beginning and end yeah. in that you know, case. But you know, Joseph, he was much younger. And so we will say, quote, second son for him. We get to one example that a lot of people don't think of, and it's in that, uh, that chapter of Genesis that a lot of people are scratching their heads over, which is Genesis 38, which I do have an episode coming up planned for this chapter, Ooh, okay. <laughs> all about all right. Tamar. We look at the, the twin boys that were born to Tamar, and we ask the question, you know, who was first, who was second? The first was Zerah, the second was Perez. Yeah, see, this is one that I never paid attention to. So, and I was like, I don't even remember those names. You know, Perez, you remember somewhat. But. You don't really see him much, you yeah. really don't. But he is very significant because it's through Perez that we get Jesse, that we get David, ha. ultimately we get Yeshua the Messiah. Perez is mentioned specifically in Matthew chapter one, where we have Yeshua's genealogy through his only mortal relation, his mother Mary. Mm, <laughs> we gotta yes. you know, get that correct there. But yes, Perez, he was the second. The messianic line uh, was through the second son, not through the first. We see it so clearly here with Joseph's two boys, Manasseh and Ephraim, he sets them before his father, Jacob. And then we have the classic Jacob switching his hands. Right. And Joseph was like, no, dad, you're getting that wrong. And, and Jacob's like, son, yeah. I, I got this. You know, I know what I'm doing, okay? Yeah. Looking after dad in his old age, no, no, dad. It's like, no, 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 no dad, no, you got the, the, yeah. this, Manasseh, he's the firstborn, this is Ephraim, his secondborn, you gotta, you know, get your hands right. Yeah. Joseph, Chill, dude. Just like, yeah. I got this. <laughs> because, you know, I believe Jacob, prophetically speaking, he, he could see something that even Joseph couldn't see. Mm -hmm. So who was the first? Who was the second? Manasseh was the first. Ephraim was the second. And Ephraim mm -hmm. received the greater blessing. Okay, getting to the next example. Oh, we can't pass up this example. Okay, main man Moses. <laughs> that the, the very servant that Yehovah chose to declare his Torah, that perfect Torah through, we asked the question, you know, in their family, who was first and second? Now, we're talking about male children. We're talking about sons, right? Because the oldest in that family is Miriam, the sister. And we had the two boys, Aaron and Moses. Who was older? Hmm, I guess Aaron was. Aaron was yeah. three years older than Moses. And who thinks and, of that? Right. So when it comes to the second son in that example, Moses was the second son. Aaron was the first. And, and now Aaron is very significant as well, obviously. Uh, he was chosen by God to be the high priest in that you know, generation. But when we also look at the image of the golden calf, who was the primary responsible you know, for the construction mm. of that whole thing? That, whole, yeah. that was Aaron, right? So firstborn is the one that's getting in trouble. It's the second born, it's the second son, where this, this, this pattern, okay, we've now seen so many examples of this, you now know God is saying something here. 
He's clearly saying something. Aaron was the first, Moses was the second. We see it again here. Now this is the generation that's very similar to what we saw with Joseph, the son of Jacob. Not literally the second son, but a much younger son. That with David, the first, uh, the first son of Jesse was Eliab, the, the one that you know, Samuel saw. He's like, oh, this has gotta be the next king of Israel. No, 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 I've rejected him. Okay, don't look at the outward. Only man looks on the outward. I, Yehovah, I look at the heart. I haven't you know, chosen him. He ends up choosing that much younger son who be, is David. The little shepherd boy. Little shepherd boy who became the giant slayer and king of Israel and mm. just an amazing prophet of God. Uh, David in the Hebrew, meaning beloved, my beloved, uh, the man after God's own heart. Uh, but we most certainly see it in the life of David with his children when we look at David and Bathsheba we have a son that's born to them, but we don't even know his name. And he was the firstborn, but mm. he died within that first week. Who was the secondborn to David and Bathsheba? Mm. It was Solomon. It was See, that, Solomon. First, that first child, I, I, you're right. I mean, I was thinking, well, what's his name? But you're like, we don't have, well, a, we name don't have a name. We don't have a name for him. So he's, you know, the unnamed son, but he was still the firstborn. Uh, and, but he, Solomon was the second. So he was born in that first week and maybe, well, with, we, named, we know with Yeshua on the eighth day, mm -hmm. circumcised and named. Yeah. So maybe he didn't make it that far. Yeah, he, he, yeah. he dies within that first week. So we don't, we don't have a name for that firstborn, but we certainly see the pattern again, again and again. Solomon, yeah. Solomon oh. was the second born. Hmm. The, like, the, the prince of peace, <laughs> just amazing. Now, what we've seen thus far is letter of the word literal sons, you know, children of these families. And what was that? 10 examples, you know, something in that range of second son, second son, second, second, second. God is saying something big here. What is he saying? Okay, let's, let's look a little bit deeper now to the, the spirit of it. Now, we're still gonna stick with, you know, the letter for just a little bit, but let's go back to the beginning, to the very beginning. We're, now, we're no longer looking at literal children of families. We're gonna look at things, uh, other things that God has created. And we now go right back to Genesis chapter one, very beginning to the week of creation, and we go to day one of creation, and I would ask the question, what came first, the darkness or the light? Well, with what we've established, I would say maybe the darkness was first. The darkness yeah. was actually mm -hmm. first. The darkness was first, light was second. Let mm -hmm. there be light. And God, when he saw the light, he called the light good. He didn't call the darkness good. He called the light good. Mm. And it says here in Genesis 1-4 that God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. Now mm. that's really cool, very, very cool, because we have this, this Hebrew image of to be set apart, to separate something, yes. to make it holy, right? Now, it says that he separated the light from the darkness. He didn't separate the darkness from the light, right? Okay, okay, because if, yeah. if, 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 if it, one might say in the English, well, that would be saying the same thing, just in the reverse. But it's not in the Hebrew, because if you were to separate the darkness from the light, that would be the image that the darkness is what is, quote, set apart. All right, so you're trying to separate it from something negative that would mean that the dark or the light would have been negative. Exactly. Was, yeah. Okay. But in the, but God specifically says that He separated the He set apart the light because the light was mm. good. Whatever this darkness was that came first, that's not good. But the light is good. Hmm. 
So we see that with day one. Darkness came first, light came second. We go to day six of creation, the day where God creates all the animals of the land, and then he also creates mankind in his own image, and that is, I ask, what came first? Hmm. The beasts, the beasts yeah, right? or mankind? <laughs> right, because people always argue, well, why didn't you make the, the people first and they could have cared for the animals? But apparently they didn't need that, so we came God last. created the beasts first, and then he created mankind second. Mm. And that's not fallen man, and this needs to be pointed out, that mankind in that context is the, he's creating the very image of God, the image of righteousness and holiness and purity, perfection. But beasts were created first. Man Not the beasts second. were bad, they were just not blessed like the human. Well, but... Even spiritually speaking, we're gonna look at the spirit and truth of it. You look to the end times, and you look at, say, the Antichrist and his kingdom. Mm. He's specifically called the beast. Right, okay. He's yeah. identified, yeah. he's not even looked at as a man, as a human. He's looked at as a, as a beast. beast. And he wants you to have his name upon him, you know, the name, the number of the beast upon him. But no, we were supposed to have the name of Yehovah upon us. Right, because the number of the beast would be secondary. It would be not blessed. It would be, right? <laughs> from what we're saying here, yeah. It's like, so that, in your very example, yes, yeah, so right. beast would be something lower than what is intended for us. Right, yeah. but you see the pattern still once Oh, exactly, again. yes. Beast came first. Mm -hmm. Mankind, in God's image, came second. Okay, going back to the Torah, we now look to Moses and we look at the, the tablets of stone. We have the 10 commandments written upon the two tablets. Moses comes down from Mount Sinai. Aaron, Israelites, they're all you know, there you know, with his idolatry. Mm -hmm. It was their heart to worship the true God, Yehovah, because Aaron says tomorrow is a feast to Yehovah, but they were just doing it in a pagan, idolatrous way. They were breaking God's commandments. They weren't worshiping him in spirit mm. and truth. They weren't, they weren't being obedient to the commandments. Moses, as a, as a symbol of what Israel has done, you've broken the commandments. He takes those tablets and he smashes them. But then later, this is Exodus 34, verse one, God commands Moses, you know, chisel out two more tablets and I will write on them the words that were written on the first set of tablets that you broke. And those second set of tablets, those end up getting preserved. Those were never broken, but they were put in the Ark of the Covenant that was there in the tabernacle and later in the temple in Jerusalem. And spirit and truth of it. Okay, literally, they're tablets of stone with God's word on it, his commandments on it. Spirit and truth of it, God's people broke the covenant. They were the first. They came first, God made a covenant with them. They broke that covenant but God renews that covenant through one who doesn't break the commandments. That's what the second tablets that has the same commandment, same word upon them, it's an image of Yeshua mm. who keeps the covenant, who keeps the commandments. They are not broken, but they are put in the very throne of the Almighty God. It's the second set of tablets that we look to. <laughs> this, this pattern, it just keeps going. It emerges again and again and again. Sticking with the Israelites during that, uh, that time period as they're in the wilderness, we have the 12 spies that are sent into the land to spy out the land. 10 come back with a bad report. It's only Joshua and Caleb that have good report. What are you guys talking about? Let's go. God's with us. Let's, we can take these guys. No, we can't do it. There were giants in the land. We were like grasshoppers in their sight and we were grasshoppers in our own sight. We can't do it. Okay. 
the result of that generation is you're going to wander in the wilderness for the next 40 years. You're not going to inherit the land. You're not going to inherit that land that, spiritually speaking, is an image of the heavenly land, the heavenly country, right? Right. So I'd ask you, what generation inherited the land? Was it the first generation or the second? Well, it would be the second, because all the first died <laughs> off. That's right. right. So it's the second generation that inherited mm. the land. Hmm. Like, whoa, God is speaking here. He is speaking, and he's speaking, uh, I believe, loud enough that we can all hear <laughs> loud and clear. We're just like, okay, what, what is he really getting at here? Spirit and truth of it. Now we're going to look pretty much solely at uh, the, the spirit and truth of God's word with this image of the second, the second, the second. That is the, the blessed one, the image of the blessed one. We look at literal birth, being born of the flesh, but Yeshua says to Nicodemus in John 3 that if you're only born in the flesh, well, you will not see the kingdom of God. You have to be born of the Spirit, born of the Spirit of God. So we have what we could call the second birth. That's mm. that spiritual birth. And it's not the first birth, it's the second. We can look to the uh, literal fire that came down on Mount Sinai on what uh, I certainly believe was the day of Shavuot. It was Absolutely. the day of Pentecost. Yes. You know, there's no question about that. It was the Feast of Weeks. That's that literal first fire that came down and God spoke his Ten Commandments to all of his people there at the base of Mount Sinai. That's when it first happened. But is that what it's really pointing to? What's the spirit of it? What's the spirit and truth of that, that fire? Well, we fast forward 1,500 years from that to the same day, the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2 when there was a mighty wind that came there on the, on the Temple Mount is where mm -hmm, the disciples mm -hmm. had gathered, and tongues of fire descended and, and rested upon them, a spiritual fire, or what we could call a second fire. <laughs> All right, so let's hold that. I think you're onto something here. Oh, you think so? <laughs> oh, yeah, I think so. I think Yehovah is onto something here. <laughs> I'm glad he's revealed to it, and I'm, I'm glad there are folks here who have supported all this program so we, you can be here. So thank you again for supporting uh, Jake's visit with us. I hope you're enjoying this. I am too. And uh, we can continue this to other generations so that they can enjoy it through your donations. Thank you very much for doing it. We'll give you a couple minutes to do it. We'll be right back. Thanks for supporting Shabbat Night Live. This is a great episode, Jake. Before the break, we were talking about uh, the first and the second of several examples in the Torah. Uh, yeah. And then we find <laughs> out through, you know, like with Pentecost, for example. So the first example was the shouting down of the commandments with fire. Fire on Mount Sinai. And dare yeah. I say that, you know, there were lots of gener lots of uh, different peoples there at the foot of the mountain mm -hmm. uh, because a mixed multitude went with them. That's right. So just as Pentecost happened then with the second fire of the Spirit and everyone began speaking in tongues and everyone heard the word in their own language, mm -hmm. I would dare say that maybe at, at Sinai, everyone heard the commandments in their own native language as well. well that, that we we're not told that, but that's, but that, you know. that's most certainly supported by what we read in uh, Acts 2, and that is a Jewish tradition, an ancient mm. Jewish tradition as well. Oh, really? Okay. That, you know, the, the word of God, he, he, he spoke, and that his, his word divided into 70 uh, languages. So whether and, that's and that tradition you know, accurate, verifies I mean, the, the well, gospel. that's the thing is, yeah I, yeah, I look at you know Acts two, and it's you know I don't normally put too much stock in you know Jewish tradition, but when it's supported by something the Bible says, I'm like, okay, I, I'm seeing something there. Absolutely, most so, certainly. So now there's now they were at the uh, at the temple itself. Right. So now there is you know we obviously know there's a, a spiritual end to the temple. The, this as well. this pattern continues. Mm -hmm. This pattern absolutely continues. Yeah, we look to the temple. We you know, we got to the tabernacle in the wilderness. We got the temple first and second in Jerusalem, and it's Paul that teaches us that you know do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in in you now. 
the, the ultimate spiritual uh, truth image of the physical temple is our Lord Yeshua, who says in John chapter two that, you know, you've destroyed this, you know, tear down this temple, I will rebuild it in three days. You know, you can't do that, that's impossible. I mean, but he's talking about the temple of his body, right? But this is the second temple. It's an image of Yeshua as, you know, his body. It's an image of the, uh, the body of Christ. It's an image of us, the God. And, you know, this is something that uh, I have said many times in my ministry, I have to say now that, you know, God, he's so much more interested in dwelling in the temple he created for his spirit to dwell than in any physical building temple that we would create for his spirit to dwell. Absolutely. We build that physical temple just as that spiritual representation of what the temple really is. So we got the second temple. And then we go even deeper than that. We look inside the temple. We look to the holy place and then the holy of holies. And we can see this spiritual pattern emerging once again. Inside the Holy of Holies, we have the Ark of the Covenant, the very throne of God. And what's amazing is that in the Hebrew language, that the same word that's used for the sides of the Ark is the exact same word for rib, the rib cage of man. Oh, okay. It's the same word. And you look at the Ark of the Covenant and what it is, it's basically a box. It's meant to contain something. You look at the rib cage of man, it's a box. It's meant to contain something. And what's inside that, obviously we're gonna get to that next, but we could look at it. We see the second pattern. We got the second Ark with the image of the uh, rib cage, the, the sides that God created to contain the organs, most importantly, the heart at the center. Um, it is, and this is a spirit and truth about the heart itself, is that, you know, what God literally created in uh, the ribcage of man is that, yes, it's the heart and it's towards the center, but you know that it's slightly off to the left, isn't it? It's like it pulls, you know, our flesh, it pulls to the left, it pulls to darkness and wickedness, but we need to fight that. We need to fight, mm. you know, against that. So, you know, amazing. You know, what God has created is just incredible, but here, we see that the commandments of God, the word of God, it was literally written on stone first, but that's not where it really belongs. It belongs on those fleshy tablets of the hearts written right. with the spirit of God. Mm -hmm. So what we have here is that image of the second throne, the real throne of God that God desires to sit upon and rule from. He wants to rule this temple from the Ark mm. of the Covenant he created and the throne he created. So just as the so He wants tablets, to be the king of, your, of you, of your right. life. So yeah. just as the tablets of stone were in the Ark of the Covenant, that's those, like you're saying, the fleshy tablets yes. inside the fleshy our tablets rib cage, where, where our, the word is yeah. meant to be truly written, mm, cool. right? If it's only on stone, if it's only ink on parchment, it's ultimately not gonna do you any good. Right. It has to be here, it has to be here, it has to be here. It has to be everything you think, feel, and do. Uh, we see this pattern emerging once again. We mentioned before how Yehovah says that Israel, blood Israel, uh, descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they're my firstborn. But when we get to the teachings of Yeshua, he's talking to the Pharisees, these wicked Pharisees, and yeah, they're, they're literal descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but he says, your father is the devil. You are children of your father, the devil, because you're walking in wickedness. You're not children of my father, who is the God of truth. You're children of your father, the father of lies. So we see the pattern emerging once again that Israel, truly, spiritually speaking, it's anyone that is walking those paths of truth, that is in covenant with the Almighty God. That it's not 
about physical bloodlines as it is about being connected to the only bloodline that truly matters, and that's the blood of Yeshua. Mm. You have to be born again, born of God's Holy Spirit, and you're brought into covenant relationship with God. You are of the house of Israel. Well, I'm a Brazilian, and I don't have a drop of Abraham's blood in me. Doesn't matter. God doesn't care, because as Peter says in Acts 10, this is the truth. God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that fears God and works righteousness is accepted by God. Hmm. They're brought into that covenant house, the house of Israel. We could say that spiritual Israel or the second Israel. Oh my goodness, it just keeps going, it keeps going. <laughs> we have the first earth and first heavens, which die, which pass away. When, right. when Yehovah yeah. comes with the fullness of his glory in his face, this is Revelation chapter 20, the, the heavens and earth flee from his face. They pass mm. away and there's no place for them. And we have the new heaven and new earth or what we can say is the second earth and second heaven. Yeah. <laughs> and then we go further. We've got the first Jerusalem, literal physical Jerusalem, letter of the word Jerusalem, but it's really pointing to that new Jerusalem. New Jerusalem, yeah. The second mm. Jerusalem. Wow, makes sense. So, We've now seen dozens of examples, uh, at least you know two dozen already, of literal letter of the word stuff that God has established. What is the spirit of it that he's really pointing to? Let's go further. What is the real spirit that he's getting at uh, a prophetic image of this blessed second son? Who is ultimately the blessed second son? No question, it's our Lord Yeshua. That the apostle Paul specifically says he is the second Adam. Hmm. There was the first Adam and he botched it <laughs> big time. But then we have the second Adam who does not botch it. He keeps the commandments of the Almighty perfectly. Hmm. He walks in the paths of Torah perfectly and he is literally called the second Adam. Hmm. We go further, we have the first Moses and then we can say that Yeshua is the second Moses. Because we have Deuteronomy 18, what I call the prophecy of prophecies, the prophet like Moses, mm -hmm. that Peter says in Acts 3, that's our Lord Yeshua. He is the second Moses. He's the prophet like Moses. So obviously Paul caught on to all of this. He got it. Uh, oh, Paul got it. Peter got it. The, the, this, the same disciples that during the actual ministry of Yeshua were blind in so many ways. I mean, even as Yeshua is, is telling them, I'm going to die, mm -hmm. they, they, they don't comprehend that. You know, right. they're just like, I don't know what, what you're getting at. But later we see these same disciples, they, they grow in the spirit to such an incredible level as they're filled with the Holy Spirit of God that, that God can show them these things. They come to understand these things. They become so bold, so courageous, so wonderful, and they can perceive these truths we go further and we see that first high priest, Aaron, prophetically speaking, we have what we could say is the second high priest, Yeshua, who is the high priest of the Melchizedek order. We can go further. We have King David, who is pointing, prophetically speaking, to Yeshua. We can say Yeshua is the second David. We have King Solomon, the first Solomon, the first prince of peace, and we have Yeshua, who we can say is the second Solomon. Hmm. And this is really cool. Okay, when we look at David and Solomon, David was not allowed by the Almighty God to build the temple in Jerusalem. Right. And Yehovah says, it's because you're a man of war. There's been too much war, too much bloodshed, that this, this temple, this house, uh, which we know from Isaiah 56 is to be a house of prayer for all nations. You know, it's gonna be this image of peace and, and beauty that anyone who comes here, they're brought into that, eternal relationship with the Almighty. 
David was not allowed to build the house because um, he was a man of war. Solomon, who's that prince of peace, he builds it. And, he, and this, this, this era, this reign of peace happens in his time. Both David and Solomon are a prophetic shadow picture of Yeshua in that when Yeshua returns at the very beginning, he's a man of war when he first comes. We've got the Battle of Armageddon, right? right? <laughs> he comes on the Day of Trumpets, uh, prophetically speaking. That's that's the day of the year that you know has to be fulfilled. We've got the ten days of awe between trumpets and atonement, and it leads to that that Battle of Armageddon when the the beast, the false prophet, they're cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. We've got the ten kings. We've got all their armies. They're they're all slain there in Har Megiddo. He's a man of war mm-hmm. like David. Yeah. But then it ushers in this era of peace where he reigns from Jerusalem, and there most certainly will be that millennial age you know, temple there. We can read all about that in Ezekiel chapter 40 to the end of the book. Uh, the temple where he will reign from and this, this era of peace, David and Solomon right there. I mean, it's just, this is what I'm talking about. The spirit and truth of his word is, is so nourishing and fulfilling uh, that this is the stuff that we need. I, when, we, when we get to the spirit of God's word, it's just, it fills us. Uh, speaking of being filled, we look at the next example. <laughs> we have the, the manna, the bread from heaven in the wilderness hmm. that Yeshua says in John 6, your ancestors ate that bread, that first bread, and they died. Hmm. But if you eat this bread, what you can say, we're gonna call it the second manna or the second bread from heaven, then you eat of this bread and you will live forever. He says that concerning the manna from heaven. He says the same type of thing concerning the water, uh, that those that drink this literal physical water, you're gonna thirst again, but the water I will provide for you, you will never thirst. Hmm. Yeshua, I think of John chapter seven, uh, it's the last great day. It's the eighth day of the Feast of Tabernacles, and he stands up during what's uh, known as the, uh, the water libation ceremony. And he says, all who thirst, let them come to me. And as it is said in scripture, out from their innermost being, out from their hearts, will flow rivers of living water. If you, if you are thirsty, come to me and you will be filled with that living water. And it's uh, the, the prophetic image there, it's uh, John says in his uh, commentary, is that he was speaking prophetically of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Mm-hmm. So we got this water from the rock, you know, this first water in the wilderness, water from the rock, but it's really that second water that we have to look to, that spirit of God's word. We see the exact same thing with the anointing oil. We have Moses that anoints Aaron and uh, his sons. Um, we have other uh, examples of being anointed in the Torah, but one example that we certainly look to probably more than any other is Samuel anointing David. David. Mm-hmm. David, who's that prophetic image of Yeshua, it's the, it's the image of the Holy Spirit, the second anointing. Uh, Yeshua, Luke 4, Nazareth, in the synagogue, he's reading from the scroll of Isaiah, what we would say is Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. He says that the spirit of Yehovah is on me, for he has anointed me. Mm-hmm. So it's just the second anointing. Mm. Um, once again, Another example of the second, we have the the ram that was caught by his horns there on Mount Moriah in the thorn bush. We have on the same mountain, 2,000 years later, our Lord Yeshua, the ram or the lamb of God with that second crown, that crown of thorns around his head. We have the first Passover there in Egypt and the blood there on the doors. Yeshua says, I am the door. He is the Mm. Passover lamb. He is the lamb of God. So we got the second Passover. We've got the the 
uh, bronze serpent that was put on the, the, the pole that was there, lifted in the wilderness, prophetic shadow picture of our Lord Yeshua. This is what I specifically call the second curse because there are those that look at the serpent as the serpent itself is literally an image of Yeshua. And it's like, that, that's, the serpent is not an image of Yeshua, right. not at all. The, the serpent is an image of sin and death and hell and Satan. I mean, Satan is an image of you know, the serpent. But when you look to Yeshua on the cross, he had been made a curse for us. All of our sin had been put upon him. That curse of death had been put upon him. Right. So that's an image of a curse. He, you know, uh, Yehovah says, you know, cursed is anyone that, you know, hangs on a tree. And yet anyone like the Israelites who looked at the bronze serpent was saved. That's right. So. Because if you're, if you're struck, if you're bit with those poisonous serpents and you're filled with that sin, that's really what that poison is representing, that sin, that death, that hell, well, you can give that to he who will pay the price for you. Yeah. It's a beautiful picture. It's just amazing. Absolutely love it. So that's the second curse. We see another example in Isaiah chapter 11, where we have this tree uh, that, had been, that God had planted as an image of David and that royal line you know, through David. But in the time of Zedekiah, that tree was cut down, but the root system was still alive. And we have this netzer, this branch that grows out of that living root system that grows into a new tree, this tree of life. Mm. So we can say that here we see the image again. Now, it's not the first tree that we look to, but it's the second tree. Right. The first tree was cut down. You, you brought up the Netzer in your last series with us about Mormon. I did. Mormon. Most certainly yeah. I did. That would, uh, that would be episode two and three of the last Oh, series. better memory than mine. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Episodes two and three. You know, go check that out. <laughs> <laughs> so we have the second tree as an image of our Lord Yeshua. Uh, the first time the Messiah comes is that first coming where he comes as the suffering servant and the Passover lamb, but the ultimate fulfillment, the image of the Messiah, that, that king, that reigning ruler that will rule all the world in righteousness, well, that's the second coming. <laughs> so we see it again. We see uh, another example. We're coming to the end here where we have the first exodus out of Egypt, which we have literal, physical Israel being brought out of physical Egypt. But that exodus that God used with his servant Moses is not the real exodus that we're looking at. What we're really looking at is Yehovah God using the, his holy servant, Yeshua, who's the prophet like Moses, to bring spiritual Israel out of spiritual Egypt. Mm. He does that first, and then it'll ultimately be fulfilled uh, after the great tribulation, the time of the resurrection, when we're caught up into the cloud to be with Yeshua. What we could call uh, a second exodus out of Egypt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's right. And our final example, bringing this to its end, getting to the very beginning and also looking at the very end, uh, which in and of itself is so beautiful because God says that he sees and declares the end from the beginning. What he created in the beginning with man and woman, Adam and Eve in the garden is this image of marriage. And that's literal letter and good, wonderful. That's what God created. And that's what people should still be doing. <laughs> <laughs> right? Amen. Amen to that. But marriage from the beginning has always been the spiritual image, the spirit and truth of the marriage is the relationship that God has always wanted with his people. That God and Yeshua is this image of the husband, his people, Israel. They're an image of the bride, image of the wife. Mm. So we can say that the image here, we got the second marriage. In total, 
And I put a plus on this because I'm sure there are more examples out there, but just those that I have found throughout the Bible is 36 examples of this. Hmm. Three dozen examples of this blessed second one. It's not the first, it's the second. The second is the one that's always blessed. It's always that image of righteousness and holiness and the image of they that receive uh, the reward of eternal life. Mm. Now that doesn't mean you know you don't take this to the extreme and you know say well you know I was uh, I was a firstborn you know son in my family and therefore I'm cursed or something like that that's, that's ridiculous we're not talking about that we're simply talking about God establishing a pattern in His Word that for those that have eyes to see and ears to hear they're going to see what God is really mm. saying and He's saying that anyone that will walk in those paths of truth paths of Torah uh, that will seek to be a true worshiper of the Father in spirit and truth then you are among they that are the blessed ones. Yeshua says in Matthew 25, concerning the sheep that are found on his right hand, come ye that are blessed of my Father and inherit the kingdom prepared for you. And, and indeed, for each one of us, we're born of the flesh, but we need to be born of the Spirit as well. Sec, so that, second birth. That, that second birth, that second <laughs> half of our lives where we are now looking to the spiritual instead of just the things of the flesh, yeah. that is also the second. If you're, that's if you're, better than the first. And, and, and taking that one step further, if you're, if you're only born in the flesh, right, you're gonna be in that lake of fire burning with brimstone. Mm -hmm. But if you're born again, born second, then you're gonna inherit the new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. It's as I say, that if you're only born once, you will die twice. But mm. if you're born twice, you will only need to die once. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I like that. Okay, so I have a feeling there's more to this. We have uh, well, that, four more we got, episodes we more to come. as planned. Yes, so we'll welcome you next week for episode three of uh, the uh, the gold and the honey. I keep wanting to say the honey and the gold, but it's the gold and the honey. Gold and honey. The gold and honey uh, with, with Jake Hilton. Jake, thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. Have a great week. Watch this again. Grasp everything we're talking about. This is a really great episode. Neat stuff in here. So uh, again, look for those examples in your Bible. And until next week, we will see you and bid you Shavua Tov and Shabbat Shalom.